Welcome to Kingdom Talks, where we engage leaders, teachers, creative artists, and everyday people in conversations that awaken listeners to new revelations of the Kingdom Age. All of our courses, community conversations, partnership links, and much more can be found on our website, kingdomtalksmedia.com. Now, enjoy the show. Welcome, everybody, to Kingdom Talks. We are excited to have Larry McKnight with us, and we've got a lot of interesting things we're going to be talking about, and this has a little bit to do with our move to uh, Colorado Springs. So, uh, now this is Larry's first time on, and I I just want to honor you, Larry. I thank you so much for coming on here, and just as I'm getting to know you more and more, you're just one of those relationships I'm excited about moving forward and going a lot deeper so why don't you go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself, a little bit about your journey, um, how you got to where you're at. And... Hey, before we do that, we just want to say we're going to be in Colorado <laughs> Springs November 24th, and we're going to have a Kingdom Equipping Center on the road at Joyland, which is Larry McKnight's uh, ministry. And so we're, we hope that if you're in the area, you're going to connect in with us. Very good. That'd yeah. be great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, absolutely. Thank you guys. So I, I'm the one that's honored to be on here. It's, it's really great. And um, I, I, too, appreciate getting to know you guys and look forward enormously to, to seeing what God's going to do. It's really fun. So I appreciate what you do, and I'm glad to be a part of it today. Yeah. So go ahead and tell us a little bit about your story, because uh, you are definitely, uh, I was actually very intrigued by the fact that you and I have similar journeys of having mm-hmm. been pastors in a conservative church. We both then spent uh, 17 years in business and then kind of went back into ministry. And so... You obviously went through some changes and would be curious to know what prompted some of those changes to get you where you're at now. Okay. Yeah. Well, when we talked uh, prior and the even the number of years out in business matched, uh, it was pretty obvious the Lord was <laughs> linking was something so up and it was pretty special. Yeah. Yeah. So just very quickly, the long story, uh, I, I came to the Lord watching Billy Graham preach the week before my 15th birthday. And I remember... Uh, an interesting awareness that happened then. Uh, my family, it wasn't a church-going family, but we were a Bible Belt family, and we lived in Texas. Uh, we were, I was born in Texas. We lived there for a while, and then in Southern California. Uh, that By that time, uh, had a great respect for the gospel, always had a Bible by my bedside, but we just weren't a church-going family. And when, when Billy Graham was preaching, it felt like it was the first time I'd heard the gospel. But the, the, the resonance of that gospel made me realize something that isn't always what people realize when they come into that salvation experience or whatever. And uh, I wasn't preoccupied with my sins. I I wasn't convicted deeply over any particular things. And there were things that I should have and could have been convicted over. But the big thing that hit me was that there was a king in heaven named Jesus. And he, by virtue of his life and death, and resurrection had a claim on my life and I had been pushing him away and usurping that claim. Hmm. Hmm. And, and this was as a, as a, almost a 15 year old, you know? Yeah, wow. And I literally, uh, I, I just so deeply apologized. I said, I'm sorry that I've been trying to rule my own life when you deserve to rule it. And I, I, I don't think that I responded with, I know I didn't respond with like a list of sins. And I don't think I responded by the invitation to come into my heart. I responded by the apology for usurping his authority in my life and that I gave himself to him. And I just wept myself to sleep that night. Wow. And I remember waking up the next morning and I reached over and I was always a good reader and I didn't have any uh, learning disabilities to speak of or anything like that. But I remember always reading the Bible had been difficult for me because it was almost like I had dyslexia. The words just didn't make sense, whereas everything else did. Hmm. Um, But I picked up the Bible, I opened it up, and all of a sudden the thing just made perfect sense to me. And I'm not talking in an exegetical way, but I'm talking in reading. It's a story. It's love letters from my father. It's all this kind of stuff. So I know that that was when my awakening to to that happened. So anyway... uh, so the, all the events that normally happen when you get saved took place about three months and getting baptized. And then we still didn't get in church. But when I was uh, 17 years old, getting ready to graduate there in Southern California from Apple Valley High School, I uh, was considering all kinds of careers and, and they were all people helping careers. And one night in that process, uh, again, before, just before I was getting ready to graduate, I was in the shower and I, I felt like I heard the voice of the Lord 
And it was the first time I'd ever had that experience. And I can't guarantee it was audible, but it was as close to audible if it wasn't of anything I'd ever heard. And he simply said, I want you to be my servant. Mm -hmm. And the only reference point I had for that was to be a pastor. Yeah. And uh, so I went out and I told my parents, hey, I know what I'm going to do. And because uh, they knew I had been checking out careers and they, they said, what is it? And I said, well, I'm going to be a pastor. And they laughed at me. And, 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 you know, subsequent to that, they all came to appreciate that and, and, and got involved and, and gave their hearts to the Lord and so on and so forth. Yeah, but okay. at that moment, I went back to my bedroom. And I said, well, I better not share too much about that <laughs> with my folks. And, uh, and that just began a pursuit that was really pretty consistent. Um, got involved uh, in, uh, uh, so originally I was exposed to the Baptist church just because that was our history. Mm -hmm. But I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit. Uh, I began speaking tongues. I knew I wasn't long for the Baptist church. So I <laughs> looked around, ended up in the Assemblies of God Church, and uh, got a job uh, as a youth pastor. Um, shortly after, I realized I really need some education because I'm winging it. You know, I'm on my own. <laughs> and I ended up going to, uh, Vicki and I were married at that time. Uh, we got married when I was about 20 years old. And we went up to Salem, Oregon. And there was a new Bible school there, uh, and it was called Ichthus Training Center. It's currently called Salem uh, Bible College. Mm -hmm. It was headed up by um, Christian Center of Salem and the senior pastor, Bob Cornwall. And a lot of people don't know Bob, but they know names like Judson Cornwall and Iverna Tompkins because they've got a lot of books out and they're yeah, famous. Yeah. And, and Bob was, in my opinion, by far the most amazing teacher and pastor of the family and, and he was excellent. So we went to Bible school there and got out, came back to Southern California and uh, ended up with this incredible burden to start a church. But at that time, assemblies wouldn't let you do that if there was already a church in the district. And so I talked with the district people and I said, well, what do I do with this sense? And they go, well, you know, we just, you can't do that. And uh, so I ended up starting an independent church. I didn't like the feeling of an independent church. And very quickly after that, got led to the vineyard. Mm -hmm. And the vineyard's where I really kind of cut my teeth in, in serious pastoral work and stuff like that. We pioneered a church uh, uh, in the vineyard there in uh, Victor Valley, uh, Victorville, California. And it was called Victor Valley Vineyard. Let me ask you, pastored, yeah, just real quick. I mean, off, off topic a little bit, but uh, do you know Andy Park? I do know Andy Park tangentially, yeah, a little bit. Not not as a close friend, but okay. Uh, he was just at the at our retreat, and he came in kind of incognito, and uh, that's awesome. Uh, was was there all weekend, and um, you know, and we didn't do worship at, at this retreat. You know, our worship was the you know time in heaven and and so forth. And uh -huh. anyway, it's just wow. I, no, that's, that's fantastic. Yeah, there was there was when uh, when we were a part of the vineyard in those early days. Andy was was uh, obviously contribute tons to the to the worship. Uh, Eddie Espinoza was there at the Anaheim Vineyard still at that time. Yeah, and uh, we used to go down there and sing on albums, uh, you know, because they'd have the crowd sing. And my daughter has a really great voice; you could actually hear her on a couple of those songs booming oh, wow. out of the crowd. <laughs> but yeah, those were great days in the vineyard; they really were. Yeah, and uh, so our, anyway, we pastored our church uh, for about nine years, and I had the occasion to go over to Europe with a missionary that we were uh, helping to sponsor and send over to Krasnyar, or Siberia. And she was going to be teaching English as a second language out of the, out of the gospels. And we created that curriculum for her and everything that, and it was kind of a send off deal. There was a conference in 92 on the Holy spirit and the prophetic. And Mike Bickle had uh, taken a bunch of the, the emerging prophets or re-emerging prophets over there. And as things would happen on the last day of that conference in Nuremberg, Germany, a guy named Paul Kane called uh, my wife and I out of the crowd and had so many personal details about our life, our home, our, our dwelling place and our path that it was just impossible to not know that God was getting ready to speak. And what God said was, uh, I'm putting a seal on your call and you're going to be fulfilled in a ministry you don't have to apologize for ever again. And then he cocked his head sideways and said, just this moment, the Lord says, tonight, I've given you a reason to believe in the supernatural. And the last part I thought was a little odd because we did believe in the supernatural as vineyard pastors and stuff. <laughs> but I know it had, I'm looking back, I know it has a ton more meaning uh, because of, it's not just, it wasn't, the promise wasn't just bound up in gifts. It was bound up in, in the reality of access to Jesus, access to heaven and all that kind of stuff. So it's pretty exciting. But the, uh, the moment that Paul uh, shared what, what the Lord had shared with him, uh, 
says, I'm going to put a seal on your call. I felt oil come down, run over my head, and I felt just enormously approved, like a seal of mm -hmm. approval. Very next instant, I knew I was going to be sealed up like a jar of peaches and put on the shelf. Oh, wow. And I knew it as well as I knew the other. And it was it was okay because God had said. So yeah. anyway, to make a long story short, to get to the point of where we are today, uh, about nine months later, Vicki and I were walking out. Vicki's my wife. Uh, we were walking out of an elder meeting, and we both just knew it was time. And so in a couple subsequent days, we turned the church over to um, one of our co-pastors uh, who pastored it for about another 10 or 15 years before he, he um moved back to texas and stuff so it was a really successful church plant you know because yeah, it was about 20 yeah. something years going good and then we uh, did get in business a little art business uh stone carving business and if i were to be honest with you i thought we were going to be on like a two-year hiatus or something but it turned out <laughs> as you know sometimes those best. things do yeah. turned out into 17 <laughs> years and i was always really um conscious of not getting back in pastoral work, but I was equally conscious of not letting myself drift from the church. So we were always involved in the church. We always led small groups, uh, did stuff like that. But, um, uh, you know, weren't trying to force anything because we knew that God had his hand on it. Yeah. You so, know, uh, even as you're saying more of this, uh, your journey, again, just so reflects our journey because same thing for us we we left you know the the denomination that i was a part of <clears throat> and um I, I always had in the back of my mind that you know i'd be back in ministry somewhere mm -hmm. and 17 years later you know we finally made that that leap but always involved in church and doing things and in some type of ministry and so forth but um yeah i i Again, I'm just amazed at the um, similarities in the journey. Yeah. One of the one of the highlights of, of that time uh, out was I, I started journaling pretty religiously, if you want to put it that way. I mean, I, I, I have several journals. And th from that journaling, it developed a dialogue kind of set of notations from the, the Lord. Um, when I'm asking a question, I put a, a, an O in front of it for original. And when he responds, I put a triangle. And if I feel like it's particularly, and, and I know this could mess some people up, but if I feel like it's particularly from, uh, uh, you know, one person in the Trinity, I'll I'll put a J or an H or something like that in the deal. I, I, do you have something similar like that? Hey, I'll show you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I, you know, you can see the the circles and then the absolutely, yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, that is exactly it. And 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 you guys know, and and just for the benefit of the audience. I want everybody to understand that, that both of us know that not every single thing that we think we hear is 100% there. But yeah. on the other hand, uh, I mean, not everything that I think my wife says is accurate either. Not, not from her, but from my ability to hear. I, I can't say that right now. <laughs> no, no, this is from my ability to hear, not her ability to speak. Uh, and, and so, I, you know, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not overly embarrassed by, by my finiteness. But I tell you what, uh, it, it has created a lifelong sense of trust. Uh, I've got thousands and thousands of, of journal pages that either say Papa or Father or Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for your love. And then yeah. we go from there. Yeah. And so that was kind of the, I don't know what I'd call it, sort of the anchor point, the backbone of that 17 years plus involvement in church. And then one day through a series of events, the Lord spoke to me and it was a surprise at this time because after 17 i didn't i didn't think that was ever going to happen mm -hmm. yeah. he says i want you to i want you to get back to ministry and here's how and uh, we started with a small bible study and then ended up starting joyland in about 2000 and not, uh, 2010 and uh, we were in conjunction with another ministry because we were accustomed to that and, and uh, they were heading one way we were heading another so we realized that we were going to be more of a pastoral kind of situation and they wanted more of a training center apostolic kind of deal and I was sorting through all that those terms and stuff and so it was an amicable part parting we're still friends they're ministering up in Woodland Park and we're down here and um, and so then Joyland when I got back in Joyland uh, I'd be lying if I didn't say I had to sort out a little bit of, of the questioning of, of like every time I'd run into a friend of mine for, for instance from Bible College or from the Vineyard Days I'd walk away and I'd be tempted to ask this question and sometimes I would Lord, what was wrong, you know, what, with me that, that I, you couldn't use me at that time or hang in there or something like that. And then one day I began to realize something that, that was the answer to that question. And 
I had the just an absolutely incredible freedom when I got back in the ministry to lay all my beliefs out on the table mm-hmm. and say, Lord, is this you? Is this really what the, the word says, the scripture says? Or is this something I borrowed from somebody in authority? Yeah. And uh, there was a number of things that were perfectly good, yeah. but there was a bunch of things <laughs> that weren't. That they, they, really, they really weren't what scripture taught. They really didn't focus on Jesus. And I felt like I, I, I came to understand that the Lord needed to kind of either just, just set me free from some of those things or not get me caught up in the political momentum of all those years with yeah. the vineyard. Yeah. And so we, uh, uh, we started drawing life from uh, uh, kind of our older connections, uh, you know, still a little bit from Mike Bickle and some of those guys back there. Then a friend gave me one of Bill Johnson's or gave me a, a DVD that had a whole bunch of Bill Johnson's teachings all, all the way up from when he first took over the church in Reading hmm. and moved forward. And that was a beautiful thing because the Lord used that to help me walk through getting him back involved in ministry, <laughs> focused in the right place. And so we drew a lot of life from, uh, from Bill and from the folks there in, in Bethel. And then uh, kind of an unusual event happened. I was actually back in Reading at a, a leaders retreat and we had a couple of guests come to our church in Woodland Park or in Green Mountain Falls. And I think your, your uh, watchers and, and listeners will know these names, but uh, Bob and Nancy Cohen <laughs> came and visited. And uh, uh, Nancy and Bob live out kind of near where we are. If you can call living near one another in big old rural mountains, you know, in the Rockies. Right. right. Um, so a friend of mine was preaching and uh in for whatever reason he gave them a positive impression of me and uh and we ended up meeting nancy and bob the next week when we got back and it was a wonderful time and we had lunch and she shared a little bit of her journey and i said is there any way i can serve you she says no i i don't think i need a pastor or anything and i i wasn't actually asking to be her pastor i just wanted to know if she needed anything <laughs> but uh what has transpired since then is, is a wonderful relationship uh, a lot of trust um, I think she does permit me to be known as her pastor <laughs> yeah. and I, I do my best job. I, I will have to admit, I have a lot more practical time with the rest of her family because she travels a lot, yeah. Yeah. but, uh, but I love her. And, and every time she's back here, we get together, uh, and we spend time together. Um, we share, we pray, we ascend. And so she's introduced a lot of, a lot of stuff. One of the interesting things, uh, when I was back there, my friend called me and says, you need to listen to this gal. And, you know, Nancy has a lot of stuff up online right now, but back in the, back in that day, she only had that one message, uh, limitless that I'm sure you guys have watched. And so I was there in a lawn chair in my friend's house in Reading. And I was, I was listening to that and I was going, Oh, <laughs> wow! I bet. And uh, I felt like the Lord. I felt like the Lord spoke to me and says, "Larry, you prayed for a long time uh, to learn how to how to take the things that I've been showing you and get them into people's life. And now I've sent you somebody who who claims to know how to do that. So I want you to. And I I know it almost sounds like this can't be what God said, but I'll, I'll tell you exactly as I thought. He said, "So I, I want you to shut up and listen to her." <laughs> And and it was it was said just like a good dad would tell you. Yeah. You know, hey, he knows so, when we need a two by four. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and so I did, and um, it was amazing, and it is amazing. Yeah. And so um, that kind of brings us to a point where we ended up uh, going through a, a two year process trying to discern from the Lord what He wanted us to do because we had uh, merged a couple of churches together and in the process inherited some property up in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado, which is about. 15, 20 miles up out of Colorado Springs into the mountains in a very tiny community. It had been there about 30 years and it was just very rural and all this stuff. And and the Lord had begun to speak to me about getting a little bit more technology involved about uh, moving to the Colorado Springs area. And that decision, we took a long time with the, with the board of elders and leaders because, you know, there's, there's questions of legacy and questions of honor and all these mm-hmm. sorts of things. Yeah, yeah. But Ultimately, you have to do what the Lord says yeah. to do. And yeah. so we uh, uh, did make a decision to sell that property and to relocate down here. Uh, the deal was amazing. I don't need to go into the details about it, but it, we ended up getting a cash deal for the for the property and the whole escrow and everything. Wow. 
uh, went through in less than 90 days. Hmm. And so we uh, found a location down here and, and now we're in Colorado Springs and we're listening and, and retuning our mission. I do have to confess that when the Lord said, I want you to spend more time online and I want you to make it relational. I didn't have a concept for that yeah. because all of my thoughts of online church were sitting there in your pajamas and paying your tithe, you know? And, uh, <laughs> but what I've discovered is uh, like with you guys, I've discovered a whole world of, of people out there who are, are at liberty to share the, the things that God's doing in their life and their message. And then we're trying to create a situation through zoom and some other interactive means where people can uh, participate with us. I, we're having success at a Bible study level mm -hmm. uh, at church. People still stay kind of anonymous. You know, there'll yeah. be like a dozen people on, but only a couple of them will show their face and ask a question. But uh, the Bible studies are rich. Once the technology is established and somebody's, you know, they're not afraid of it anymore. It just disappears. And it's like having a conversation yes. across the table. Yeah. So that's where we are. And uh, that's how we got there. Um, I'm 64 years old and um, I, I questioned the wisdom of the Lord picking a 64-year-old guy to jump into technology this way, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I'm honored by it and I enjoy it. Well, I just so appreciate that Nancy, you know, introduced us yeah. mm -hmm. to you because that, that's just been, uh, I, I see it growing to be a phenomenal relationship and I'm so looking forward to it. It, it is, it is. And, and I have lunch uh, or I have breakfast with Bob. Uh, uh, you know, Bob's part of the leadership team here in our church right now, and just such a, a great uh, wisdom. A lot of folks know Nancy, not too many know Bob. Um, it's their loss. Bob's a wonderful guy. Yes. Yeah, yeah. We've got we love meeting, meeting him. Love him. Yeah. And I'm, I'm curious if you want to just share a little bit about how you use questions in your service. Oh, okay, sure. Yeah. Well, one of the, one of the changing, okay, so um, when I got back in, you know, I said I had the ability to lay everything out on there. And so we worked through a few things. <laughs> And I'm kind of a theologically oriented guy, and I like theology. Uh, I, I feel like theology is like the banks of a river, that you, you need to be able to let the river flow. But if you don't have, have the yeah, that's structure, good. then the water just dissipates like and turns into that's a swamp good. or something, you know? And so, and then I also, if you don't have a proper theology, you have a tendency to build structures that narrow everything down, and it becomes exclusive. That's and good, too. That's really good. So... So anyhow, I, I got through, I got with the basic ideas and stuff like that. And yeah, this is good. That's not, this I borrowed from somebody I respected at one time or was afraid of, or it didn't even matter. <laughs> and finally we got to the point of, of the heart of the matter, which was who is God? Mm -hmm. You know, what's he like? Mm -hmm. And uh, I had always been very aware of and appreciative of the Trinity. I had always felt that a lot of common things in our life, like communication and honor, the ability to have a friend, these all come organically from the fact that our God, the Christian God, is and has eternally been three persons, relating in holiness, relating in harmony, relating in love. Um, and when you think about it, if God was ever just a single entity out there, then things like communication and love are secondary abstracts. Yeah. They're not primary. <clears throat> yeah. But our ability to have a conversation is a primary gift of being made in the image of a triune God. And so that started us, okay, well, then let's, let's look this over. So about four years, I think, into the life of Joyland, so that would have been about 2014 or something like that, we went back to Genesis and started, started looking for that angry God, started looking for that judgmental God, started looking for that God that was deeply offended by what Adam and Eve had done or failed to do. And I think anybody with an honest look at it and when I say honest, that implies that people are not looking honestly. Let me put it a different way. Anybody, if, if they have just an open heart mm -hmm. to read the scriptures with fresh eyes, will have a very hard time finding that hostile God. Yes. Uh, you know, he, he was just with them the whole time. You know, I just, I, I've read, uh, I don't know why Father just keeps taking me back to Leviticus 26. I've read it, you know, a few times in the last um, few weeks anyway. And just how... You, you know, if you wanted to, you can look at it through the lens of the angry God. Mm -hmm. But when you really look at it, it's just like God so wanted his people to stay with him that it's like, if you guys go astray, I'm going to do this. And if you if that doesn't get your attention, I'm going to do this. Yeah. And then I'm going to it's like he's totally chasing them, you know, and, and chastising them, trying to get them to come back. 
he never once gives up and he never once threatens you know eternal torment or you know anything like right. that right. <clears throat> and it's just his pursuing of his people that's what I that's what we found you know and uh, we wouldn't have near enough time today to go through all the particular instances but there was a couple that were really strategic for our folks and opened up people's hearts to realize okay so maybe we have imported this the face of a hostile God on what the scripture actually reveals and and one of them was we we learned that God didn't stay in the garden when Adam and Eve were banned from he went with them Yes. There's that passage in there where Eve says, we've had a, uh, uh, we've made a man with the help of the Lord. And if you dig into that language, it means like he rolled up his sleeves and almost became the midwife. You know, wow. it was beautiful. Wow, I love that. And, and then if you go forward and, and you think about the dialogue between God and um, Cain, mm-hmm. he didn't make an appointment for Cain to come back into the garden and the cherubims move their sword and they go back where God's dwelling places in this holy garden and they have that conversation he made that conversation right out there in the dust of the desert of his temptation yeah Yeah. and it's just always been that way yeah Yeah. we we began to realize that the father that jesus revealed consistently in the new covenant and in the new testament is the is the father that we've always had and it's always been his heart but just like you say there there was a god never lost sight of the value of his people including us and so when, when Israel was making all those choices, God was with them. Uh, mm-hmm. And even when they were in exile, yeah. he was yeah. the fourth man in the fire yeah. in Daniel's group, yeah. or in the, 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 the group of the three Hebrew children. And then he was with Daniel in the lion's stand, mm-hmm. and he was with him before Nebuchadnezzar. And so that was the thing I began to realize that 17 years had made a space in my heart and mind, in my theology, yeah. to get to know God in a different way, in a better way. Yeah. And uh, and then it was it was just some beautiful stuff. Then kind of the big personal turning point theologically was I ran up against something that I'd never I'd never really liked, but I'd always kind of towed the line, I guess. And it was uh, penal substitutionary atonement. Mm-hmm. And it was it was having the father and the son at cross purposes yeah. regarding men. And I, I just you know, once you once you let the Trinity become that dynamic living family that it is. You have a really hard time uh, yeah. with the old uh, sort of chick track version of a faceless God with a lightning bolt and Jesus shielding everybody and us hiding behind him. Yes, uh, that doesn't that doesn't correspond with yeah. with either the story in the Gospels or of Paul's beautiful retelling in Second Corinthians five, where God was in Christ reconciling yeah. the world to Himself. Yes. Yeah. Hey there! Thank you for joining Kingdom Talks. We are taking a short break to share with you the life-changing online course called Ultimate Impact. Gil and Adina do an amazing job taking the complicated and making it simple and applicable for your life. Ecclesia groups are using this course to shift their thinking into the next age paradigm. Yeshua spoke of power, authority, love, and oneness that we have yet to walk in. So if you're ready to deconstruct limiting beliefs in order to step into what Father is doing now, this course is for you. Sign up today at KingdomTalksMedia.com under the Courses tab. Now, back to the show. No, you know, that's one of the things that, again, as I hear you speak, is so many things resonate and are so similar. But for me, the Father was... He just came to me and said, why is it that you, and he was, you know, pointing to me, speaking to me, but it was a generalization to the, mm-hmm. the Christians as well. But why is, what's in you that makes you want to um, interpret scripture and try to make it fit with the idea that there's, there's an eternal torment in hell and that I want to, you know, do this to people? What is it in you that makes you want to get scripture to line up with that? Mm-hmm. Why not come over here and start looking at scripture and getting it to line up with the fact that I am a God of love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know. I know. And you know, you wouldn't think that that would be, you'd think that when that question finally, when God was able to finally get that question through to our head, we'd go, take a big old sigh of relief and we go, wow, that's fantastic. But it didn't work that way for most people. I, I, I don't know whether there's like a perverse sense of control and a sense of quid pro quo or, uh, you know, that, yeah. that we feel we need to, pay or earn i have a tendency to think that's it that we still want to we still want to 
withhold a certain measure of trust and take a certain amount of control of our own destiny, even yeah. in the face of the gift of God in Christ. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I'm with you. And, and so it was interesting. We have a, a our churches is, is trying to really take serious advantage of Zoom and, and have real meaningful relationships in different places. So we have a, one of our elder families it lives in uh, Illinois mm-hmm. and um, obviously we're in Colorado. So they relate to us via Zoom and, they run a Bible study that I participate in and, and we have our elders meetings online and stuff. And uh, it's, their names are Jeremy and Amy and they're wonderful folks. Uh, Jeremy asked me a question one time, not too long ago. He said, well, it's probably a, a few months ago. He said, so are we just randomly going after these topics on the studies that we're doing or, or is there like a method to your, your madness? And I said, well, when you, when you start asking questions, and all of a sudden, the thing that all your assumptions were built on gets turned upside down, you know, mm-hmm. as far as the, the, the offense of God versus the patience of God, the love of God versus the anger of God. Mm-hmm. One thing leads to another. Yeah, you know? it does. And, and, and you can't escape them. And so we, we took our next study and kind of walked through that with the folks uh, of that group. Um, you know, when you start, when you realize that penal substitution uh, and that idea of an offended God being appeased, well, that changes then who Jesus was. Changes how you look at the idea of, mm-hmm. of um, um, the word is just eluding me. It's that Greek word that's mistranslated sometimes that Jesus is the... Propitiation. You guys can trust us as your Bible teachers and leaders. Yeah, no problem. <laughs> Yeah, propitiation, <laughs> propitiation. So all of a sudden, you know, I started thinking about sort of the common definition that I had heard about propitiation was pulled from Greek history. And it was like uh, being under siege from a, an attacking king. And you send out a bunch of uh, gold and a bunch of virgins and stuff like that to appease that king. And, yep. and, and that fits wonderfully in the idea that God was standing back hurling lightning bolts at Jesus, engineering uh, the punishment for him becoming sin for us. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't fit at all when you realize that God was in Christ. And so I started looking and this has been, this is a great example of probably the most delightful aspect of being back in the ministry the last 10 years is it's kind of unnerving when you look at a concept that you've held for a long time, taught people about, led people in and so on. And you realize that's probably not true. <laughs> that probably was never true. Yeah. But it was what we all thought, you know. Yeah, yeah I've and been m- m- many times. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it, and and it requires it requires some humility and it requires some trust, really, in the in the goodness of the Father. And it also helps if you focus on the last clause in the in the new covenant, where I'm going to meet your transgressions with mercy and remember your sins no more. But uh, uh, anyway, propitiation became one of those things that I started studying. And I realized that uh, the the uh, hilasterion and hilasmos Greek words behind propitiation that are translated atoning sacrifice or that kind of thing um, drew that definition from Greek history and Greek word use. But if you take those that word family and you transfer it back into the Septuagint and into the Hebrew <clears throat> Bible, the word that it replaces is the caporet. And the caporet is the gold cover on the mm-hmm. Ark of the Covenant. Mm-hmm. Now, what was the gold cover on the Ark of the Covenant? It wasn't the sacrifice. It was the meeting place between the wings of the cherubim that God yeah. came to receive the people of Israel and atone for their sins annually. And so I would just start thinking, so Paul was a Pharisee of Pharisees, and yes, he was converted from that. But would his first thoughts when he used the word propitiation, or John's first thoughts when he used the word propitiation, have gone to a Greek illustration of a hostile king attacking a city, yeah. or would it have gone back to the, the Shekinah presence of the yeah. Lord fighting yeah. between the wings of the cherubim? And when you start thinking of Jesus not as a, as a sacrifice thrown to appease his father, but as the meeting place sent by his father, yeah. where men and God could meet and reconcile without their sins being the defining issue. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden you get into Hebrews chapter nine and it says that, uh, you know, it's pointed for once, uh, once for man to die and then the judgment, but Jesus is returning a second time without reference to sin. Yes. All based on what he did as that meeting place. That was a huge turning point for us. And that's what really opened the door to um, not the first thoughts we had about being a God, being a good father, but about the whole paradigm of, of letting Jesus be the centerpiece of the gospel 
not as a, a sacrifice against a, a hostile father, offended father, but as a gift from yes. a loving father where even the most timid among us, the most fearful among us could come and find welcome. Yeah. Yeah. And find, find healing and find wholeness and find a father that we <clears throat> all wanted. So that's kind of the mission of Joyland right now is to, is to reach out to, to anybody that wants to. But honestly, if somebody is real satisfied with uh, eternal conscious torment and, and uh, God being offended <laughs> and satisfied, I've learned you can't persuade them. That is so true. <laughs> you know, people, they hold on to things so closely and so tightly. It becomes part of their identity and you start messing with it. And mm, you mm -hmm. better be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But I also have seen, uh, I've seen that people get to a place where, and you brought up the word identity and it's really powerful. Uh, when we start taking, when we get in a position to take a fresh look at scripture, when we get in a, a, a position to, rethink and re-see some of those ideas not abandoned not by abandoning the scripture and this is a personal commitment right. of mine i i fear in the current kind of uh deconstruction movement yeah uh I, I am so sympathetic to the people not wanting to go and be beat up and not wanting to beat people up but i don't want the scriptures to be thrown out yes yeah i don't because, think they can yeah. no 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 and and i and i don't want i don't want relationship to be minimized. I think, I think that's the missing ingredient in all this. Yeah. And circling all the way back to my, my week before my 15th birthday, uh, in the last few years, I have become so grateful that my initial response to the gospel was one of, of uh, surrendering to a relationship and not becoming preoccupied with my own failures. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't like my failures and I don't, I don't, uh, I don't make excuses for them, but it's the relationship I have that prevents me from having to be a hypocrite. Amen. So good. Yeah, yeah, that is truly, to me, the the only thing that will release us from those is that relationship yeah. that as we get so deep that we really look at the other junk and it's like, I don't want to do that. Yeah. yeah. And that. you know, when you, when you, and I, I, I know that sometimes sort of like, uh, visionary or metaphysical kind of feelings people are skeptical of but but we're commanded in several places in scriptures to look up to look to jesus uh you know to look at, at, at jesus being reflected our, us being reflected like in a mirror there in, in second corinthians and being changed from glory to glory once you are in a position to overcome the fear of looking at god and seeing him look back at you yeah. then if you can if you cannot, if you can overcome the fidgets <laughs> that are a part of that experience when you first do it, or maybe all the time, and you can see in his eyes no no trace of that yeah. that offense or disgust or hatred, but only love, then you're beginning, I think, and this is what I try to help people do, beginning to build a foundation where you can uh, discover some big ugly thing hanging off of you, and in spite of the embarrassment of that, you can walk to God. And, you know, really, I don't even think it's us with the initiative. I see the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit working this way once you get to that point. I see the Holy Spirit convicting and drawing yeah. and just almost <laughs> taking right up to the throne of God. It's kind of this Ephesians uh, 4 thing, you know, come boldly before the throne, obtain yeah. mercy, and get grace. And all this is because of Jesus. And so I have this image in my mind that Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father. And the father sees him perfectly. Mm -hmm. And I know this is all imagery, you know, and yeah. they're one and everything, but you get my point. So he's there. So here we come being uh, gently towed along, moved along, swept along, lifted along by the Holy Spirit. And we have this big, big black thing hanging outside our head, you know, like, it's ugly. <laughs> and, and it's all we can see at the moment, you know, because we've yeah. been convicted about it. So it's this gigantic, ugly black thing sticking out. And then uh, we're brought there, and the Father sees it too, but he sees it in light of the fact that Jesus has provided absolutely everything through the veil of his body and his blood to eliminate that thing, to heal that thing. And I see the Father just going this way, not as a judge, oh, yeah. but as a Father and as a healer. Yeah. And the dynamic that exists as the Spirit is in us and with us as Jesus is seated at the right hand of the Father, 
as righteousness is ruling the day and as the father's heart is freed now to to because it would be so unthinkable to me for the father to react to that thing that we are brought before god carrying in a negative way because to do so would deny the very finished nature of the work the sun sitting right next to him and so that's the image that hovers in my heart And I'm getting better at it. I wish I could say I was 100% first response to that. Uh, but I just know that that in that environment or in an image similar to that, there is reality. There is the reality of, of the work of Christ being enough, the Holy Spirit's work in our life being uh, convicting, but, but certainly not with the end to some kind of self uh, shame or something like that. It's to get yeah. there. It's to get yeah. there. And, and, uh, and then the Father's ability to work. Yeah, and I just, I so love, um, we heard Yana Sanders recently, and she was talking about the, the it's so important the, the that this movement needs holiness as our focus, but not like we did before, where it was like, okay, holiness, I've got to be good, and I've got to mm-hmm. focus on not sinning and not sinning and, mm-hmm. you know, all of this, but it's, we're able to come from it now with this understanding, um, you know, with the restoration of all things and Jesus and all of that from a different viewpoint and now holiness is totally possible and our delight, yeah. not our burden. Yeah, yeah, because it's never achieved independent of God to try to be presented to God. It's always achieved with him. Mm-hmm. One of the other things that, that I'm very passionate about, I've got friends and some other movements, and I, I draw life from a lot of teachers. <clears throat> One guy, um, well, as a matter of fact, the first time I ever saw you guys show, you were interviewing Paul Young. Yes. And and I had the, the, I've had the privilege over the last few years to get to know Paul personally and, and you know call him a friend, and uh, through through Paul, uh, and as a result of, of that, I also have gotten to know and, and learn from some other guys. And one of them is a theologian named C. Baxter Kruger. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I don't know if you guys have heard of C. But it, yes, the book that ended up being used to kind of turn my heart on that penal substitutionary thing was Jesus and the Undoing of Adam, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. But um, in, I don't know whether it was in that book or one of Baxter's other books, he defines holiness in a way that I find a good workable definition. What is holy is how the, the Father, the Son, and the, and the Holy Spirit relate to one another, treat one another, and honor one another. Yes. It's not a judicial list. Mm-hmm. It's a set of relational behaviors yes. that, that operate in purity and in beauty and in honor and so on. And uh, so now when, when the scripture says, be holy for God is holy. That's the image. And I, and I don't think that's just me picking and choosing or Baxter picking yeah. and choosing. I think, I think that's a reality. Uh, holiness. You know, when I was in Bible, Bible school in assemblies of God, uh, holiness was the, was the byproduct of sanctification. And we used the illustration of the, the temple utensils and stuff being set apart for holy use. Uh, and, and, and so one pot was holy, one pot was was common, you know, and this was the one that was used in the temple. But what we missed, and I, I remember consciously, I mean, I can think back and, and the thought never entered my head. I'm not saying that's that bad an illustration, but the function of those gifts wasn't just to sit there and be holy. Yeah. It was to facilitate yeah. an offering. It was mm-hmm. to facilitate a relationship, you know, and, uh, that's one of the things about, I mean, there's a lot of things that could benefit from that kind of knowledge. Like you think about fire, you know, the most prominent place that fire had in the old Testament was either in that non-burning bush as God was relating to Moses or the fire that facilitated the sweet smelling aroma that was lifted yeah. to the Lord yeah. or the fire that was on the candelabra mm-hmm. on the, the minaret in there showing what, what was going on. And so that question, you know, that the Lord asked you, I would, I would, that everybody would let him ask that question. Why are you so prone to take these images of uh, hostile kings and angry deities and all this kind of stuff? And instead of a father who loves you and sent his son. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Larry, uh, well, just one thing I want to say right now, just to our listeners, is that uh, if you're watching this and you're in the Colorado Springs area, that you would go visit Larry. And, and uh, what's your what's your address there if people want to get your address? Sure, sure. So the, uh, our church meets on Friday evening, primary meeting. Mm-hmm. And then we have some online Zoom stuff that I'll give you a little bit of information about. But we're on the west side of Colorado Springs, uh, and it's on the corner of Centennial Road 
and list. And if, if you're familiar with Colorado Springs, Centennial is uh, a main thoroughfare on the west side that cuts across Garden of the Gods. I'm going to share your uh, website while you're talking about that, okay? Go ahead. Okay, sure. And so our address is 5085 List Drive. And we have the, we're in a kind of a business complex, so you can sneak in and people won't even know you're going to church. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And and, um, uh, Adina, you ask about the idea of having questions. Yeah, Yeah, we have mics set up. uh, And and one of the things that I've come to understand uh, in this time back and and really believe, and I know this sounds weird for a pastor or teacher, I would rather leave somebody with a good question than a good answer because it's really up in the air whether my answer or your answer to them is going to be something that changes their lives yeah Uh, very often it just sits in the in the periphery of their thinking yeah it forms another category of of vision or something but if somebody can walk away with a good question just like the one that the lord asked you gail you're compelled to answer questions they they just they will not let you off the hook once you have a question and so that is one thing that we we try to do we try to facilitate dialogue in our service Mm -hmm. and um and we um so we have mics set up and i have a little red and and green light that is on the the front teaching board that i use and the people are so enthusiastic about questions that sometimes i have to put the red light on and say look i need 15 minutes to make a point before you launch in another direction now uh we'll pop it green and then people line up with mics and uh, and we use the mic format because we also have people on zoom and we want them to hear and be engaged as well that's awesome so yeah it's it's a it's a lot of fun i would never go back it's a culture that we're trying to create and and it's not just to be novel um, one of the experiences that I've had as a pastor is that people will succumb to the perceived pressure of a community mm-hmm. to, to line up with beliefs that they don't fully understand or hold. Very yet. true. Yeah. Yeah. And so we are absolutely committed that people uh, understand that they have all the time in the world to ask questions and stuff. Um, we're not trying to get anybody to acknowledge beliefs uh we are we're not trying to be identified or pigeonholed is really what i mean by um by one doctrinal set of things or another i think doctrine is really important but if 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 people have a a legitimate reason for believing what they believe from both the scripture and their life experiences they're welcome here Uh, we'll have conversation and that'll give them an opportunity to either decide whoa this is not the place for me <laughs> or uh or you mean i can really i can really expose some of these questions that i've been keeping yeah. hidden. i so love that larry and and um i'm i'm actually very eager to get to your location for our um keck on the road came to equipment center on the road so uh anyway we'll have to talk more about that because we definitely want the flavor of what you're doing to be seen <laughs> Because we want people who maybe haven't connected with you yet. Sure, to, sure. To no, that's amazing. This that's sounds amazing. amazing. You carry a very similar feel to us. I mean, we've got our three plumb lines, which are all about, you know, let's make sure to love is the first thing and mm-hmm. then and then not let our doctrines divide us. Because mm-hmm. each one of us carry a theology or a doctrine, whether we like it or not. And uh, the, But the thing is to love one another and walk together, even though we have differences in mm-hmm. how, we, how we believe, because we're all going to believe a little bit differently. Yeah, exactly. And so just to to clarify is that your meetings are on Friday nights. We're going to be there actually on a Sunday afternoon. No, we'll have a special meeting on that Sunday, and we're looking forward to it tremendously. So November 24th at 2 p.m. And so we're really, really, really looking forward to connecting. That's really great. Let me share what we're we're using as a mission statement right now, because it kind of reflects that, is that we believe that we exist to help you experience the affection of God without judgment or religious pressure. Oh, I love that. Now, I don't know that we 100% live up to that, and I can't control what's going on in everybody's heart and mind that's here. But by and large, uh, the feedback from people that have come and guest speakers that have come is that we're doing a a pretty good job of making room for that to be real. And uh, I'm very excited about that. So good. Good, good. So I'm looking at your uh, join online right now. 
Um, so this is something that they can do, but this is Sundays at 10 a.m., right? No, that's probably not. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you're catching oh. us in process. <laughs> oh, all right. Well, so uh, we switched part. our Friday services a, 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 a couple of months ago. The the join online. We always try to keep on our main service and on our Bible studies. Uh, we always try to keep the same Zoom number. Uh, if the folks know how Zoom works, you can use your personal room number, okay. and we've sacrificed that to that purpose. So ours, our personal Zoom number, is three three seven seven seven. Three 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 seven seven. Okay, so I do have that part up on your website right now, just as you said that. So people can go there. Just go to your website, joylandlife.com. Uh-huh. And, and our services here. begin at six six thirty mountain time on Friday. Okay. And then we also also have a wide open uh, discussion group on Tuesday at six thirty. Same Zoom number. So anybody that would want to jump on that is more than welcome to do so. Now, is that growing uh, for you? Is that is it picking yeah. up people? I yeah, it is. So. It is. Uh, and uh, it picks up and then some drop off. And, yeah, we get you know, that. Well, I can tell you that it will pick up after this show. I, I can, I'm, I'm, I can I'm sure it will. That. <laughs> so, yeah, that, that one Tuesday is a fun one. We, uh, again, I, I'm kind of reticent to call it a Bible study, although we, we, we certainly have the scriptures and we're, we are studying that. But it's a discussion group. It's part of this idea of people that have questions about these ideas, mm -hmm. you know, and um, so far, so good. I, I like that environment. We've got some other great, great folks. We have a few who meet here at the church and then others who join online. So, yeah, that's that one on Tuesday at 630. That Zoom awesome. So cool. Awesome. Uh, I'm very much else? looking forward to you guys. Be oh, I'm just looking forward to you guys getting out here and being able to spend a little more time together. And, and uh, you know, I just would encourage your listeners uh, there needs to be more places where you can ask questions and it, yeah. it's always okay to try, you know, if you do it with a good heart and you do it with some humility, uh, wherever you're at, whatever church you're in. Um, Cause by and large, everybody's intentions and leadership are pretty good, mm -hmm. yeah. but it's easy to get trapped in a, in a momentum or something that, that may be a good question from somebody yeah. that they love and trust and value would, would lead them out of it. Yeah. Good. Well, and you have some online courses you're getting ready Mm -hmm. to launch soon so would you tell us a little more about that sure sure yeah one of the one of the one of our responses to the that thing i mentioned to you about um, the lord saying i want you to go online and make it relational is uh, a, a thing that is going to be called trinity u and it's spelled t-r-i-n-i-t-y-o-u and it'll be that.com and the, the concept of the trinity and the u being joined at the y is what we're building these courses about. So we're, we're joined at the why, we're joined at the question. And as you can tell, questions have just become really, really important to me. Uh, I think they're a vehicle, eventually they're a vehicle for honesty and for learning. So we have our first course, which is about the new covenant, it's kind of a foundational course on, on what uh, what the new covenant is, as, as I understand it, and, and who it applies to and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And so that'll be up in probably about and hopefully another three or four weeks and you'll be able to log in and the first few courses there for sure will be short uh some of them about two minutes some of them about five minutes then that breaks into a series of of like 10 or 15 minute discourses and then in the end we bring in teaching from other people and uh, other people other perspectives again uh, by the time you work through it you ought to be able to ask questions and, and see other other thoughts uh, but it's going to serve two purposes. One, an easy gateway for somebody to get involved in topics that maybe they've heard preached a lot, but uh, but don't really understand. You know, certain theological topics, certain biblical topics. Um, so that's that's one thing. But also, especially for people who are kind of in this movement uh, that are kind of asking these questions and checking out things like uh, you know some of the mysteries of, of of relationship and ascension and things like that, and then just some different ideas about scripture. Yeah, we want people to have access to these little two and three minute things, so so they can help them explain to a friend. Right, uh, that's so good. I know a good example of one of the courses we're putting together is: uh, should you should you what does it mean to guard your heart? Should you be afraid of it? Uh, we all know that our heart has dark things in it. Does that does that is that the defining element of our heart, or have any of us ever considered that the Holy Spirit makes room so Jesus can live there? Yeah. And so a couple of dark spots, dark thoughts versus 
the king of light living yeah. in your heart well which one's <laughs> gonna have the influence yeah. you know yes. but people don't think about that mm -hmm. and uh i i i find a lot of what i think the enemy has done is sown fear in to places that the lord's willing to work gently with yes and so because he doesn't require the kind of self-generated all right every dark thing in my heart's going away instantaneously we just don't have the power to do that and god knows it he chooses instead to shine light on that darkness and deliver us from it yeah and but i still know lots and lots of christians who complain about not being able to hear the voice of the lord mm -hmm. when really it's coming from where he lives in exactly them, you know yes. and so if the enemy can get us to be so afraid of any voice that comes out of our heart because there's a couple of dark things that are still lingering there um so he's pretty much succeeded in st stopping our ears to the voice yep. of the lord so that's the kind of stuff our courses are going to be aimed at that's good that's so good and and once we get our our website fully functional, we want to also direct people to you because I I so appreciate the the theological background that you have and the love for that. I can't say that I love theology, <laughs> and and so we we could have a tendency to go more towards hey just you know loosey goosey and I and I so value what you the peace that you have to bring because it keeps us in balance. Yeah, I appreciate and, that. You and do that focus. Yeah, I do. And, and and then I worry sometimes that because of a preoccupation with the theology, I can just stop at the words. And I, for one, absolutely don't want to hear the Lord say, like he said to those Pharisees, you know, you search the scripture thinking that in them you find life. And they are that which testify of me, but you refuse to come to me. So the end of every, really, the end of every Bible study has got to be coming face to face with Jesus, absolutely. coming face to face yeah. with Jesus through devotion, through communion, through ascension through the various means that he has opened up to us. And I remember the very first time a long time ago, and it wasn't even an, uh, called an ascension then, it was being led by um, uh, uh, Judy Franklin, uh, Bill Johnson's secretary, but it was a visit to heaven is what she called it. And so I was just sitting there on the steps at this conference, music was playing, and she just encouraged us, close your eyes and, and uh, ask Jesus if he would invite you to, to be with him. And uh, he did. <laughs> much to my surprise at the time <laughs> he did and it was just a wonderful initiation experience uh we were in this beautiful garden together i walked across here he just embraced me and the the, the warmth of the embrace the reality of the moment the uh, the sense of deliverance from inadequacy i mean when you're accepted by god you don't have room to harbor that inadequacy See, yeah, and, and, and then when the inadequacy goes away, you can see the actual self-centeredness that that was sort of propping it up. And now you've got something to repent over and and, and lay before his feet and, and, and see his love respond. So, yeah, it's a it's a beautiful thing. So I, I am I, I'm comfortable with the fact that that God's given me um, a view of and an interest in theology. But I absolutely know that the end of that is relationship. Yeah. And so that'll so be fun. Good. So good. Well, we probably need to wrap this section up. Um, again, Larry, just absolutely thankful for you coming on here and uh, just looking forward to the relationship that's going to be developed. Uh, I think there's, I actually think there's probably some uh, major exponential things that are coming that uh, at least I'm not aware of yet. I'm looking forward to them. And I, <laughs> it's the same way. I can't put my finger on what they are, but I know you guys are you guys are doing an excellent job in some things that the Lord's called this old dog to do as a new trick and and so I'm I'm very much looking forward to being a part of that. Yeah. Awesome. So we want to thank all of you who are listening and uh, if you would like to get the behind the scenes part, I encourage you to go to our website kingdomtalksmedia.com and click on the membership button and that will take you into a section where you can um, uh, support us as well as uh, get the behind the scenes information. So that will uh, open things up to get all the behind the scenes of all the different uh, um, interviews that we've done, the, the shows that we've done. So just thank you again. We can't do this without you. You know, we're taking this on the road and, uh, you know, a lot of things are happening that, that just are phenomenal. Father's doing some great things, very but exciting. we do need the resources in order to continue moving forward. And what I see happening in Colorado Springs could be an absolute phenomenal thing. We don't know exactly what it's going to look like, but there are people Amen. that are coming in from different areas. They're actually moving to Colorado Springs as well. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to be collaborating, working together, 
believing that Father's got something that he's giving each of us a piece of the puzzle to. And uh, Larry's already established there. He went ahead. He was the pioneer, <laughs> laid the foundation there for, for uh, something. We don't know yet what it is. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. All right. Something that'll reveal Jesus. That's for sure. Hallelujah. All right. That's it. Okay. We'll be back. Love you all. Thank you so much. And uh, we're going to go over to the behind the scenes. Thank Take you, care. guys. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for taking time out to listen to Kingdom Talks. You can find out more about Kingdom Talks Media and our mission to unite in faith and grow as mature sons at KingdomTalksMedia.com. Please continue to like, subscribe, and share with your friends. You can find us on Facebook, YouTube, Spreaker, Spotify, iTunes, Fringe Radio Network, and many more places. Go to our website to find links to all of our media outlets, as well as fantastic online courses and conferences, including the life-changing interactive course, Ultimate Impact. And last but not least, we ask that you consider partnering with us to fulfill the mission to get these messages to the world. To become a partner, go to the Partnership tab on our website. Thank you, and until next time, live a blessed life Keep carrying us in your heart and sharing us wherever hearts are open.